Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. And we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And I'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. My guest today is casting director Amy Jo Berman, and she's going to be coming up in just a moment. She's got a lot of great information for actors, uh, what you need to know in order to advance your careers and to make it happen, uh, what to do and what not to do. So be sure to stay tuned. In fact, invite other people to listen right now as you are. Uh, tweet about it, Facebook it, get on Google+, Plus, use your favorite social means. Uh, reach over and tap somebody on the shoulder right there at the coffee shop or get on the phone and say, hey, come on, listen to Rex, you know, Sykes Movie Beat. Uh, casting director Amy Jo Berman is on and, and, uh, and listen with me. Okay. The official URL of Rex Sykes Movie Beat is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com. That's my name, Rex Sykes, and I'm your host. And uh, all of these websites, uh, I'm sorry, all of these uh, discussions are available live and archived right there at the interviews blog at RexSykes.com. So um, be sure to join in uh, live when you can because the chat room is open. And be sure to listen archived as well. There's over 400 hours of professional filmmakers sharing their expertise and, and sharing secrets with you. And... Uh, it's a it's a it's a learning right there at your fingertips. Download them and take them with you on your iPod or phone or wherever you go. Also, please do leave comments during the show. You can tweet about it, Facebook it. You can um, uh, uh, leave comments right there at the player window, and uh, and it really helps us when you do because it uh, increases our web presence. Whenever you leave a comment or whenever you tweet about it, whenever you Facebook it, uh, whenever you share it. So do that. Also, if you get the podcast at iTunes, they're absolutely free. Uh, rate and review the podcast, and that will help us out a great deal. All right. Without any further hesitation, I'm going to bring Amy on. Amy Joe Berman today, hello. How are you? I am awesome. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm so happy that you're here, and I'm looking for, forward to our conversation. Me too. I've been looking forward to it all week. I'm psyched. Let's All right. Really, go ahead. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just jump right in, uh, you know, because uh, we get actors listening uh, at all levels. We have uh, literally, you know, uh, great seasoned talent who listens in, and we have uh, people who are just beginning the careers and everyone in between, as well as fans worldwide. So um, what is it about um, – an acting career, you know, that, that actors truly need to f- to focus on. Um, you know, I, I sometimes reside in the Midwest, and in L.A. I, uh, I uh, have pursued careers for many, many years. In the Midwest, people talk about getting a job, you know, and paying their bills. In L.A., they talk about a career, 
can you tell us the difference in in terms of of creating you know a career longevity and what actors need to focus on? Yeah, career longevity. You know, it's so funny. It's such a it's such a business term, but I longevity of the acting career. <laughs> but I talk about this all the time to actors because I think you know most actors who are not doing this as a hobby, and there's nothing wrong with doing it as a hobby. But most actors who come to me and listen to my stuff, and I'm sure listen to you, are professionals are seeking to be professionals. And so I love to talk about the longevity aspect because I think sometimes as an artist an actor can get really focused on what's immediately going on in their career day to day. And sometimes they don't look at the bigger picture and the longevity and plan for that as well. And and so, you know, in an acting career, there's there's what's happening right now. You know, do I have an audition? You know, how am I prepared for that? How can I get more auditions? How do I get an agent? All that kind of stuff. And then there's the planning for the seeding, I should say, for the harvest of your career as a as a a long term thing, and I think that's where a lot of actors get tripped up. So I like to think of it, you know, really I like to use that harvest analogy because, you know, one of my favorite sayings is basically people hire who they know, like, and trust, and actors want to get hired to to perform, right, to get a a TV show or a film or whatever, and so if you want to get hired. That means somebody has to know who you are and they have to know about you. And I think where actors sometimes get tripped up is that they don't extend their reach enough to create a network of people who really know who they are. And then they sit there frustrated because they're not getting the opportunities. And I think that's a real disconnect between the actor as the artist and the actor as a business. And I think a lot of actors don't think of themselves as a business because they're artists, right, <laughs> you know, creative types. And I understand that because I'm I'm like that too. And so that's always been a challenge for me as well. But what I understand is that in order to have success as a casting director, I had to start thinking of myself as a business. And so I like actors to start thinking of themselves as a business so that they can create more opportunities for themselves. Because I don't know, Rex, if you've ever experienced this, but if you're a pretty positive person, but a lot of times actors can get really stuck feeling like there's nothing going on. I'm so frustrated. And they feel like the power of their, of their entire career is outside of their control. And, oh, and it's have, actually, yeah, you have, would, you've, you've felt that Oh, way. very much. Oh yeah, very much. Especially in my earlier days. I mean, not so much now, but, but back then, absolutely. And, and that was whatever modicum of success I may have had. So yes. Right. And and so, you know, it's it can be very frustrating when the perception is that it's out of your control. And the thing is that a lot of actors don't realize that there's a lot more control at their fingertips than they realize. And so they give their power away to this, this entity, the business, and they go, I'm, you know, I don't have, you know, I, it's up to them to hire me. But what if it's it's not just up to them? What if it's, you know, really in your control? And so, the things that are in your control, besides your craft, obviously, studying and getting better at being an artist, we, we all know that that's a thing. You have to be studying and working on your craft. But by learning how to connect with people in the industry, you can extend your reach and actually gain that power back and create opportunities for yourself. I, you know, this is sometimes, and I, you know, I can almost feel a lot of actors sitting out there scratching their head, but how, Amy, how? How do we do that, you know? And uh, and part of it is a mind shift, 
right, is a, is a way, the way that you think about it. Because if you think of yourself as powerless and you, you allow the frustration to be the thing that just covers everything that you do, then you're going to assist in creating a situation where you actually are powerless. So the first step to actually creating the change of actually having power in your career is deciding that you do. And and I know that that's kind of funny, you know, because that's just a change in your mindset. And how can that really create an opportunity? And some some people just don't get that innately. So let me explain how this works, if that's okay with you. And Absolutely. by the way, Rex, you know, chime in anytime. I I tend to monologue <laughs> when I start talking about acting because I get so passionate. So feel free to go, Amy, let me get a word in. That's why. Okay, um, we'll do. <laughs> Um, but, okay, so the mindset thing is, is really big. And here's how it shows up in the room, in the audition room. Okay, so if you as an actor have the mindset that you don't really have control and you don't really have power of your career and you're just, you know, hoping and praying somebody will give you an opportunity and then you get one, right? You get an audition. And then you come into the audition. What happens is you have this this energy about you that says, oh, please hire me. I, I'm so, I'll be the best, I'll be the best, you'll hire me, you'll see, you'll see, I'll be, you know, and it's this sort of desperation energy, and it colors your audition. Even when an actor gives a technically really good audition, they make great choices and all this kind of stuff, the energy that comes off them is, are you going to hire me? Are you going to hire me? I really want this job, I really want this job. And it's that, that energy that actually pushes the casting director away and it's not on purpose you know no casting director sits there and says oh gee i'm feeling a desperation energy coming off of this it's that you know it's not intellectual and cognitive it's just a gut feeling that they get of they they just no we don't want to i'm not i don't like no not right and though you know they won't bring that person back even if they gave a good audition sometimes because that feeling pushes them away and so so that's why I'm saying it's really important component that I think a lot of actors overlook is the mindset that they come into the audition with because it's it's actually just as important. Actually, I would venture to say even more important than technique. Not that I am putting down technique. I do think that's very important too. But I do feel that a lot of actors do themselves a disservice by coming in the room feeling powerless. And you, um, Go ahead. Uh, that's Rex chiming in. <laughs> I did want to interrupt your role, though. No, go ahead. Um, do you have a, a, a method or an approach that they can do that? Because, I mean, there's somebody sitting in their apartment right now, and they're going, yeah, you know, I wish, but I only go out four times a year. Or, you know, I don't get that many opportunities to do it. So how do I have my mind in place when I walk into a room if I'm desperate, you know, the rest of the time? Right, okay. Well, that that's a really good question. I, you know, I actually teach a whole course on this, but um, because there there are things that you can do. But um, okay, so the first one is just deciding. Okay, step one, you just decide that this is no longer working for you. Ask yourself, like, how does it feel to feel desperate? You know, how does it feel to put, you know, to have that kind of energy in the pit of your stomach when you walk in an audition? And if the answer is not really good, <laughs> then right. the first step to, and to changing anything is just choosing to change it. And choosing to not let it be, you know, your, um, you know, the thing that guides you. It's, it, it first starts with that awareness that you have it. Because you can't change something that you're unaware of. And you can't change something that is working for you. So first you have to ask yourself, well, is this really working for me? 
and you really have to go through these steps. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't say this kind of stuff lightly. You really kind of have to go through these questions so that you can choose something else, okay, actively on purpose. So is this working for me? No. Okay, what if I could choose something else? And the first step really starts with asking questions. A lot of times um, you guys as actors can get into this this drawing of conclusions, which really solidifies that heavy, heavy feeling of desperation, of, of like, you know, I'm not getting enough auditions. I have to get this one. I really want it. And all of those are like really heavy conclusions that when you hold on to them, they, they add to that really, um, that, that desperation energy. So one simple thing that you can do without getting into my whole course, which is called pilot season domination, by the way, without getting into my whole course on how to, uh, how to do this, is to start really asking questions. Well, gee, what, what if I could just ha- go into this audition and have a really good time? Hmm. Like put a question mark at the end of everything. What if I could, I could really just play as an actor? You know, like go back to that moment in time. Remember when you were a kid and you used to like role play, you know, uh, back when I was a kid it was cowboys and Indians or whatever it is. Like when you're a kid and you're just role playing and you're having fun with your friends and you, you don't ask questions of like, well, what's the motivation for this cowboy? You just pick up, <laughs> you know, a right. cowboy hat and you start running around, right? And it's that play energy of, you know, just have of joy and fun and whatever. And what if you could go back to acting as something fun and joyful instead of, you know, this pain and strife that sometimes you associate it with and and to start thinking of it that way. Start thinking of acting as fun and play because sometimes there's this tremendous opportunity that gets wasted when you get in the audition room. You know, because as an actor, sorry, I'm going back on, on a tangent and now I'm going backwards. Okay, so as an actor, when even professional actors who have credits a mile long, there's these long stretches in between times where, when they're performing oftentimes, you know, whether it's somebody on a series and then they're on a hiatus or whether it's just somebody who gets sporadic work. There's these, these spaces in time in between. So if the thing that lights you up like a Christmas tree is performing, then it's in your best interest to perform as often as possible because it feels good. And people like to be around other people who just have that joyful, feel-good, something's-going-on energy, right? And so right. if performing if performing gives you that buzz, then you need to be performing. And now, the, you know, now I can, what I usually will get is, well, I'd like to perform, but I don't have enough opportunities, right? But what if every audition was just an opportunity to, to, to perform? And, you know, besides being in class, besides, you know, uh, doing all the things you're supposed to do as an actor, what if you could just simply change your point of view about auditioning and stop putting any importance on it? You know, obviously you're going to study and, and take audition technique classes and learn how to do that. That's a given. But that's a little 5, 10, 15-minute opportunity to perform. That should be fun. And it can be fun, but it's really about changing the way that you look at it. You know, I really... Sense? Yeah, oh, no, I really do love this because uh, one of the things that uh, really I think is an important point is if you got into this because you love it and it really drives you and, it, and it's your passion, then don't invalidate 
You know, I, I think too many people right. go, I, I either have to be a success or I'm nothing, as opposed to I can have little successes or large successes every single day or once a week or whatever, and, and as long as I'm doing that, I'm, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. It's the all or nothing thing that I think people get trapped in. You know, they look at their career and they go, I haven't made it to the top yet. You know, I'm not with the... The, you know, the, I'm not in the one percent. I'm not, you know, a household name. So therefore, you know, and and how however big that that is, they discount anything along the way. So if they're not getting the interviews or they're not getting the right roles or they're, what you said made so much sense. Just love it and enjoy it and do what you love and look at every every uh, casting opportunity as uh, performing and uh, and your attitude will be different. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, and you know what? And here I'm going to give like a practical tip on on what that what that shows up like in the room, okay? Because here's here's a little peer inside the casting director's brain for a second. So when we're in an audition and an actor comes in, let's say we have two actors auditioning for the same part, and they're well, for the sake of this this example, let's say their talent is identical, like in terms of being good or bad, right? It's just mm-hmm. they're both equally good, as if that's possible, okay? And they're type, so, and they're and they're both appropriate for the role. Yeah, exactly. Right. So all I mean, things be, be being type. equal. Uh-huh. Yeah. In this in this, you know, idealistic example, all things being equal. Right. Let's say one actor walks in with that, you know, if I don't get this job, my agent is going to drop me or oh my god, I've got to get this job so I can have my SAG insurance kick in this month, otherwise I'm not going to be insured. And you know, or if I don't get this job, you know, my mother's going to give me crap again about, you know, getting a real job or whatever. Whatever the thing is for you. So one actor walks in with that and gives their audition. The other actor, who's identical in talent and type and all that kind of stuff, walks in, and they're just having the best time. They're happy to be alive. They just love that they're in this room and they get an opportunity to perform. And they're they're just in full joy mode, and they give the same exact audition. Which one do you think is going to get the call back or the job? It's, it's going to be the one, right? It does. because, And that's the thing, like, you know, I know that in the real world, you know, all things aren't equal, and we don't have those ideal examples, but the principle actually works exactly the same. And, and you know, if you really think about it, and here's the practical side of that. Sorry, I want to go back to the practical side of it. So we as casting directors, it's our job to sift and sort, right, to, to boil down to a few choices who we think are good and present those to our producer, director, or studio, whoever. Um, and so... When we do that, there are a lot of criteria that we take into account. Obviously, talent is one of them. And talent and type and how they fit into the rest of the cast. You know, am I casting a daughter of another cast member? Do they look like they could be from the same family? Or am I casting a lot of people that are all have a similar look, so I need to make sure this person has a different look? Or, you know, whatever the thing is, you know, um, it, make it to fit into the piece as a whole. And then, you know, the other these are the other parts that you realize that we deal with. Okay, we look at the budget and we go, well, how, you know, who can I afford? You know, can I afford to put a name here? Do I want a name here? Will a name pop in the wrong way? Or do I just want to, you know, use a an actor who's not famous so that they can just embody the role here and the audience can accept them better? What is the studio asking of me? Are they asking me to put a name here? Are they giving me extra money so I can fly somebody in from so-and-so, from Los Angeles to, you know, where we're shooting in Timbuktu? 
or, you know, all these other factors, right, that come into play. And one of the other things that we think about, too, is, well, this is a, a, a big-time director. Let's say, you know, I always use the Steven Spielberg example. Let's say this is Steven Spielberg movie I'm casting. Well, is this actor so green and so new and so nervous that they're going to, like, be a babbling idiot in front of Steven Spielberg? How is that going to reflect on me? How is that going to make the rest of the cast feel? You know, these are all things that we, we think about. How, you know, so if an actor comes in and they have all this negative baggage and they have all this sad sack, poor me, I'm a victim of the, the business and everything in it, feeling, do I want to put that actor on the set with all the other actors and with this director whose relationship I value? And is that actor going to be able to handle you know, adversity when something comes up and you're shooting and, you know, hungry and, you know, or the weather is bad or whether, you know, all the circumstances that come up, we we think about all these things. We take them into account. And so do I want to put somebody on the set who's got that kind of energy or if all things be equal, wouldn't I rather put somebody on the set that I'm going to get that phone call and go, oh, my God, Joe Actor is just the best thing ever. We just love to be around him. You know, the big movie star A just loves him. They're like best friends now. Where did you find this guy? He's amazing. It's not always about the talent. You know, it's all these other factors. And I think, you know, not that actors should be thinking about all these other factors, but see, here's the the big mistake that most actors make is that they don't understand or have knowledge of the fact that other things come into play besides talent. And if actors could just know that, if they could just learn by, and understand that these other factors come into play, this is where that feeling of being powerless can go out the window. Because when you understand that all these other things exist, you go, oh, okay, I get that. And you accept it into your universe. You sort of put your arms around and go, you're part of my experience. I understand that now. Now I could just have a good time. Because I you know, know it's not go all ahead. about the auditions. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I'm very much enjoying it. I, I, um, I want to give out your website for just a second too, because I, this to me is so crucial. Uh, and I always use myself as an example. As a young actor, you know, my head was up a certain body area, and just I didn't, I couldn't see. You know, I couldn't right. see. I didn't have the the vision of of looking at casting directors first as people. I looked at them as them, the other side, the gatekeepers, the controllers, the, right. the people who are there to, to weed me out and to say no. It's kind of like dating. you know. Nobody wants to be rejected yeah. on a date, and you don't want to be rejected. You're either too tall or fat or skinny or bad or good. You know, somebody else got it, and sometimes your friends, you know, whom you're friends with, get it. I mean, it's all this, all this stuff where I learned more. And, and the difference today between the difference then to me is so incredible. Back then... Um, there, there came a time when you couldn't submit yourself. The, 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 the industry shut down. You could only you could only submit through an agent. Prior to that, you could submit with uh, mailing. Prior to that, you could actually walk oh. into someone's office and say, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'd really like, you know. So I mean, the whole thing changed. The the notion of social media has opened up, and there's there's stuff like you're on Facebook and Twitter, and people have access to you, and you've got tons of YouTube videos, and you've got workshops where I learned more about the the business as a whole and learned more about myself as an actor was was the opportunity to either sit in on casting sessions with casting directors or be a reader with them and understand right. where they came from so you have a you have a workshop called unstoppable actor 
and there's a website called uh, com, and you have amyjoberman.com, and you're on uh, Twitter as Tips on Acting. And the, the fact that you're giving this information away and you're making it available to people and that people can, can intersect and get to know your what you just said, your mindset. It, the thing about it that's so uh, wonderful and so revealing is, is the incredible common sense it is. If I were going to go camping, would I want to take the dour, you know, stick-in-the-mud person with me? Or would I want to take all a bunch of people who are thrilled about going camping? So if you're putting together okay. a cast of movie, you know, who, do you, who would you send over? Uh, it's, it's so, on the one hand, simplistically beautiful, and yet so many people miss it. Right. You know, so many actors have... Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I just said that it's so great that you're doing this. Thank you. Uh, You know, I guess a lot of actors, you know, are really... um, That's why I say the the artist mode and the business mode are are two sides of the coin of the acting career, and most actors really focus on the artist mode, and they don't really think about the business side. And, like, not that you have to be a business genius, but you have to learn to be aware and learn to gather knowledge. And that's exactly why I, you know, why I give away a lot of free content all over YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. And this is why, and and even when actors go over to unstoppableactor.com, what they'll find there is that free webinar that I did, the Unstoppable Actor webinar. It's like, you know, 80, 90 minutes, I don't even know. I talked, you know, a a lot about a lot of this stuff in great detail and how it can really work for you in your career and all the kinds of pieces of knowledge that you might not be aware of that you even need to know. And like, why do I do stuff like that? Because, you know, I think every actor should have this knowledge because you can't free yourself from those shackles of that, that heaviness and desperation unless you understand how the business works because then you take it all personally. You know, you go into an audition, you think you do a good job, and you don't get a call back, and then you beat the crap out of yourself for hours, days, weeks, months, years, you know, and it's like, and it's so unnecessary when you understand how the mechanism works. And, you know, I, I want to go back to what you said, it's like dating, because it made me think of, something for a second. I'll share a personal story with you. So I um I met my husband on Match.com. And wow. at that time, yeah, right? And I just a little plug for Match.com. Anyway, but the reason why I'm telling you this is because when I originally went on Match.com, I wasn't looking for a husband. I was just wanted to have some fun, you know, dating, meeting people. And because people always tell me, oh, dating is, oh, they'll, they'll, they talk about dating, like you say, like they talk about auditioning, like, oh, it's such drudgery, oh, it's so painful, oh, dating, whatever. But I, I have a different attitude about it. I was like, I'm just going to go and meet people and have a good time. And I had so many amazing dates, like coffee dates. I would just make coffee dates with people who I thought were interesting. And I would just have the best time, no significance attached, wasn't looking for anything in particular. I was just went into them to have a lot of fun. And and it was so great and so freeing because there wasn't like that I'm I'm looking to, you know, shackle somebody and get married energy and it really wasn't. I just was like, Okay, this is this is fun. I'm gonna meet people. And through the course of that, I ended up meeting my husband, which was great because it was totally unexpected. And there was no, when we did meet, there was no energy coming off me like, oh, are you husband material? Maybe I can marry you, whatever. It's the same same thing with acting. You know, it is. Like when you go into an audition with just that fun of like, hey, I'm just going to have a good time and play. People just want to be around it. They're attracted to it. It's attractive. You know, it's, it's like... When you, you ever like go to a party, and inevitably at any party, 
there's always somebody who has people surrounding them, like they're kind of holding court, you know, or there's one or two people that, that just attract the room. And there's a reason for that because they just, you know, they magnetically just pull people to them because it's like they, they have something going on. You don't know what it is. You just know you want to be around it. And, and that thing is actually, it, it's, it's easy to flip on and off. You know, most people think you have to have that thing. You know, you're either born with that it factor or you're not. But that's BS that we all bought into. It's not. All that is is a choice to live joyfully and have a good time. And that is a choice. And if you, you know, play into that victim of, oh, poor me, I haven't had an audition in six months, then, you know, that's that other kind of energy. And do people want to be around that? No. And do people in the business want to be around that? No. So it's it's really just you know a shift in in mindset. So yeah, that's why that's why I like to um, you know even when I do technique videos, when I do videos where I share, and I do a lot of that in the Unstoppable Actor or all my videos on YouTube when I give a technique, it's always through the lens of how you think about it and you know what kind of energy you're choosing to be because I can teach all the technique in the world and there's plenty of it to be taught after 18 years in the casting room. Um, but like I said, if I'm teaching technique to somebody who views themselves as a victim who's powerless and, you know, from this industry and beaten up, then it's not, you know, it could be technically great, but we're not going to want you on set. Wow. Wow. Hey, I want to, I want to comment and then I'm going to ask you a question that somebody sent in. Um, I firmly believe that we are from birth on learning machines, barring any neurological damage. I mean, we learn to, you know, to move, <laughs> to eat, to walk, you know, from crawl, to ultimately feed ourselves. To dress ourselves. We go through school. We learn tons of useless information that we, we also learn how to forget it and move forward. You know, whether mm-hmm. we, we learn how to drive a, you know, ride a bike, drive a car, you know, take a bus. We constantly are learning and constantly evolving. I believe that, you know, some people say people are born with it. People, you know, you can't teach it. You can't learn it. I completely disagree. I believe that anybody can learn to do anything they put their mind to. And so learning how to do what you're talking about is really just a matter of application and, and principle and dedication and, and having uh, the right opportunity to, to do it. In other words, having a good mentor or getting uh, quality feedback so that you can make the the appropriate and necessary adjustments you need to do to move forward. So, uh, you know, this is this is this is you know for me. I mean, this is exciting because this is this is absolutely crucial. And anyone can learn to be the person in the room that's holding court. You know, learn absolutely. learn to emphasize their charisma skills and and become dynamic. And and they don't have to be wallflowers. They don't have to be tormented actors. They don't have to. Those are learned as well. All of those yeah. behaviors are are also learned. And so you unlearn some and learn others. And that's what living is about. And so I'll get off my soapbox to say. Um, the, 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 and it, it, this is part of the question from the chat room, but I'll, I'll ask the question okay. separately. There is now, today, what I mentioned earlier about Facebook and Twitter and stuff, there is more opportunity, it, it, it would appear, to be able to intersect and meet and connect with casting directors in a positive way and either to attend workshops or to, to, to get their attention, to maybe even become friends, you know, in, in other circumstances. Um, so the question becomes, how do you connect with people in an appropriate way? How do you have them remember you without being a pest? How do you, you know, uh, be on their radar 
because you know they they have you know if there's let's say there's just a hundred thousand people in Screen Actors Guild, and if every single one of those hundred thousand people did, and I'm sure they don't, sent a postcard every month, um, casting directors would be you know up to you know the ceiling in postcards. So how do right. people how do people keep on the radar and make an impression? And this goes with the question. It's from a gentleman, Kirk Lambert, who was. Very savvy. He he contacted me through the website. Uh, there must be a problem with the chat room today. So, Kurt, Kirk, Kirk, a smart gentleman that he is, used the contact form at my website to send questions <laughs> into the show, which is what I tell people to do all the time, and some do and some don't. He says, "Hi Rex, I'm listening to your interview with Amy Jo, who is truly a badass." Her term, <laughs> and she, and she is the most relevant, useful information for actors. She always cuts to the chase. My question for Amy. If you are casting a feature film or a TV show, how do you and your associates deal with direct submissions from actors who specifically target your project? Is it generally a waste of time for actors with little uh, return on investment, except in rare circumstances? Yes, okay. So, okay, it's not uh, a lost cause. You shouldn't not do it, but you should understand what goes on on the other side. Okay, so on the other side, as as a casting director, we have certain there's certain expectations put on us, right? So the studio, the producer, and the director are all going to have certain expectations that they're going to see a certain level of talent. And and when I say talent, I don't mean um, a gift and ability. I mean a certain uh, credited level of talent, like an actor who's got um, credits. Okay, there's a certain uh-huh. expectation that we're going to bring in actors who have a lot of credits for certain roles. If I, as a casting director, or if any casting director, brought in all people who submitted themselves who don't have a list of professional credits in my long, right, they're going to look at us like, what's wrong with you? Why are you ignoring all of this other talent, right, all of the A-list, you know, B-plus list? You know, so there's a certain expectation that we are going to be bringing in a bulk of the people first who are more seasoned and who have greater access by virtue of the fact that they have um, better representation. Okay, and I'm not, and you know, you're right. I'm I'm a straight shooter, Kirk. If you're asking this question, and you must have heard me before because you know that I'm not going to lie to you and fluff. Okay, I'm going to tell you how it really is so that you have the knowledge and power to choose what you're going to do. Okay, so the truth is, yes, we are always going to go for the the more seasoned talent from the bigger agencies first, and any casting director who tells you otherwise is not being truthful with you. Okay, so that's because that's what we're expected to do. They hire us to do that. However, any seasoned good casting director loves to find new talent and is also going to be looking through the self-submitted stuff too. But is it going to be the first submission reopen? Truthfully, no, it's not. And it's not because we don't want to find new people. It's not what's expected of us. They hire us because they want to see the people that get submitted from CAA or Endeavor or whatever also. Okay? So the we will look at those submissions and different casting directors have different processes for how and when they do that. But just know that, you know, this is a business about uh, appearances and stuff too. And people are going to be looking at um, talent that gets submitted through the A-list agencies differently than they're going to look at self-submissions. But is it a lost cause? No, we're going to look at those too. Okay, but just know that I'm going to go back to the we hire people who we know, like, and trust again. Okay, right. So most most of the time, uh, unless we're doing um, a search for something particular 
and if you remind me, I'll go back to that in a minute. But unless we're doing a search for something really specific, most of the time we're going to try out somebody who's self-submitted, who we don't really know, who doesn't have a proven track record with a smaller part until we get to know them. Because as I said before, going back to earlier, right, if I bring in, let's say, Kirk submits himself and I don't know Kirk, okay, but I, I go through the submissions, he looks like he might be right for the part, and let's say it's a lead. Let's say I bring him in for the starring lead opposite Tom Cruise in this movie, okay? So first I'm going to bring him in for a pre-read and see how he does there with just me and him and my associate in the room. And if he does okay and his energy doesn't feel like, oh, my God, I can't have, you know, I can't have this, right? If he feels like, you know, he, he can hold his own, then I'll bring him in for the director or producer. And then if they like him, then they have to evaluate, okay, do I want to put a newbie, newbie, newbie opposite Tom Cruise? How will Tom Cruise feel about that? You know, and is is this, am I going to want the whole movie, this $100 million movie riding on the shoulders of a total new person? Okay, that's a risk for the studio. So chances are, if we do bring you in and we don't know you from a hole in the wall, but you look right, we're probably going to try you out on a smaller part. So don't take that personally. Like everybody who's listening right now, we know that you could probably do better. And once we get to know you, we'll give you that opportunity. But we, we're not going to give you that opportunity until we know you a little bit better because there's a lot of other things riding on it besides your talent. So that's, that's one component of it. And the other part, so is it a waste of time? No, it's not a waste of time, but it shouldn't be the only thing that you're counting on. You should be actively focusing on doing everything that you can to try to get a good representative, a good agent or manager submitting you at the same time as you're submitting yourself. So this goes back to the mind shift of putting so much importance on it, on submitting yourself. Like if I submit myself and I put all my energy into submitting myself, then when you don't get called in, then you can beat yourself up and question, should I even bother doing this? Because you've put too much importance on it. Because you need to spend just as much time and effort as trying to create your own work and your own opportunities to perform, trying to get a good manager and agent, um, trying to network and connect and make more friends, uh, using the Internet and social media to, to find more people to connect with. So it's not just about submitting yourself. Does that make sense? Is that a good answer? That's, that's how I feel. It's a, no, I think it's a great <laughs> answer, and, I, and, I, and it made me wonder about you know, direct submissions you know, because of there's actors' access and now casting and backstage and you know, all these avenues for people right. to submit and also to submit you know, worldwide. And, uh, right, and we do look at those. We do look at those, and different casting directors have different favorite ones that they look at. And, um, you know, however, just, just know that, you know, there's sometimes, you know, like, okay, think about this analogy. Let's say it's, it's Christmas time, and you're going to get, you know, you're going to your, your holiday dinner with your family. And let's say you have a big family, and everybody's going to be exchanging presents. There's always going to be, you know, one or two of your relatives that give really good gifts and some of your relatives who, you know, they always give you that, like, that retarded gift. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I have to put on a happy face and open this gift, right? And then there's, you know, a guest who comes with one of your relatives, and they give you a gift, and you don't know what it's going to be, okay? But when you know that you're going to get a really good gift from your favorite aunt who always gives you a really good gift, aren't you going to open that one first? Aren't you going to have a different approach to opening that gift than opening the gift from the total stranger or from the relative who always gives you a rock? 
you know, it's that it's that approach with which we you know approach submission. We you know we go for the ones we're excited to see first because we we know the quality because we we're familiar with those submissions and the person who submitted them. And then there's the total unknowns, you know, and it's like okay because you know Kirk may be a total gem, but the other 150 people who submitted themselves for that part. Maybe they're not. And so we have to sift through all those in order to find the Kirks of the world, the gems. And so that takes more work. And not that we're afraid of work. God knows Casting Richards are very overworked. But it's a different approach. It's like, okay, mining for gold is not the same thing as going to a gold mine and sifting through which piece of gold is going to be better than the other piece of gold. Does that make sense? That, yeah, no, it does. And it's an excellent, excellent point. I'm going to have to take a break in a few minutes, but I, I wanted sure. to ask this. And that is, um, what, how much, I, mean, I think, well, let me, let me back up. I think a lot of actors go, well, I'm not a name yet. In other words, I don't have commercial value yet. And what, you're, what you've pointed out is, well, Tom Cruise obviously has name value, and, and many of the people around him are going to be people who have some right. name value, or they have a familiarity, you know, there's the, the HBO special, you know, uh, uh, that guy who's in that, Whatever. I mean, it was a, a documentary about all the, you know, fine character actors who nobody knows their name, right. but they all recognize their face and they come up to them on the street. There's there's a certain amount of that. But what you right. also point out here is is just the logistics of business. You know, would you could you put somebody who's not as as tested or seasoned opposite somebody who's who's got say 30 years of camera experience? You know, would right. they and accept? A yes and a no. Sometimes yes and sometimes no. Right. Right, Sorry, and it, it depends on a lot of well, no, no, but it, it depends on a lot of factors. It depends, like what you said, maybe Tom Cruise expects some somebody else to be his co-star, or I mean, there's so, so many different factors. But the, but it's the, the it's the number of business decisions. Uh, what I was saying earlier about being a reader, sitting in the casting director's thing, is is that notion of you know in 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 war, you know, that keep your enemies close. Well, don't think of it, casting directors as enemies, but get inside their heads, and that's what you do. You know, in other words, if we yeah. understand your thinking process, we can better appreciate our place in the business and why we do or don't move forward. Because we we have to, in order to give you what you want and need, we have to know what that is, and it's not what we think it is; it's what you actually have need for, and or what exactly. what your actual constraints are. And I always, I'm always a huge person that if you give value first, other people can return value if they choose to. But you need to be able to to give value. And what what where you're so valuable here, Amy, is that you're helping other people understand the thoughts and considerations where your hands are tied, where your where you're completely free to do things, and then and then they can, if they choose to, as professionals in the in the acting business. Um, more readily slide in, you know, more more readily make a dent or an impression, um, knowing everything they need to know. Because otherwise, to me, like I said, when I was younger, I just thought people were, you know, like up there and they picked people for certain reasons and other people. And so it made me feel completely helpless and hopeless and powerless. Where where now, understanding how you do business makes me feel a whole lot more empowered, more powerful and able yeah. to go, well I could I could do that. So this is this is very, very valuable stuff. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so glad. Are you taking a break right now or can I respond to that? Go ahead and respond and then I'll take the break. Okay. Yeah, you know, the the getting inside the casting director's head I think is key. And this is you know, this is I I dealt with this I did this a lot in the Unstoppable Actor. Um, that's exactly the focus of that 
that free webinar on the on com. But more importantly, that's why, and I talk about this on the webinar a lot, about this class that I'm doing called Be an Audition Rockstar. And the whole reason I created that class is because of that thing. It's like if you know what we're thinking and how we do business and how it affects you when you come in the room. See, that's the other part. Like I can tell you all about business, right, till the cows mm-hmm. come home. But if you don't know exactly what happens, how it shows up in the room, you know, then that's a missing piece for you. And then if you don't have a tool to to um, to choose how to use that information to your advantage, then that's also a missing piece. And so, but it all starts with getting inside the casting director's head, understanding how the business works. But not just the business of the business. People talk about the business of business all the time. But the business of what happens from the moment you know we get a submission to the moment we choose somebody when you're not around. You know, all that stuff that goes into it and then what you can do to actually give yourself a unique advantage over everybody else. And I think this was, I don't know whether this was part of Kirk's question or what you were talking about in terms of getting on the radar and making an impression. Right. There's a lot yeah. of things, and I guess we could talk about this after the break, there's a lot of things that you can do to do that, but it all starts with having knowledge. Okay, and we'll take a break there, and then we will come back, and we will talk about that yeah. because yes, that that was part of my my question as as well as I believe, you know, Kirk with the idea of direct submissions. All right, you're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official URL is R E X S I K E S. It's my name. I'm your host, and uh, all of these interviews are recorded live. The chat rooms open when we're live, and uh, they're available as archived recorded sessions uh, at the interviews blog at RexSykes.com. They're also available at iTunes as um, Podcasts and they're available from Blog Talk. So wherever or however you choose to listen to them, choose to listen to them again and again and and listen to all of them. There's over 400 hours. You're going to be glad that you did. Um, my guests earlier this week were uh, director Edward Coyson. He's directing Paul Servino in a movie this week. Um, I'm going to see him on Sunday, but uh, you're going to want to listen to that. He's got some great advice. Todd Robinson directed Phantom, produced by Julian Adams, and, and Penn Benjamin was up. Uh, and well, as Penn himself, uh, the producer of Robin Hood and Backdraft, and and many other and many other things, was was with us. My upcoming guests will be Monday. Doug Richardson wrote uh, Die Hard Two, Money Train, Bad Boys. He's joining us again. Tom Malloy is a producer, director, and uh, sorry, producer, financer, and actor who's produced a number of movies. He also has acted in this movie. He's going to come up and, and talk about doing that. Alex Cruz is an actor, martial artist, and a tactical consultant. He will be re- joining us on Thursday the 13th. Peter Marshall is coming back for our director series uh, to also talk about acting and, and working with the director. And then on the 17th is the day that uh, I've rescheduled Julian Adams, one of the other producers, and an actor, um, on uh, on the movie The Phantom, which uh, starred David Duchovny and Ed Harris. Um, he'll be on on the uh, 17th, morning of the 17th, so join us then. I'll be back in L.A. for a month uh, beginning the 18th of uh, June, so be sure to uh, uh, let's meet up and, and connect if, if uh, while I'm there. You know, contact me through Facebook or something. And uh, uh, let me remind everyone to continue to share these interviews, these discussions with your friends and your industry connections, and to also leave comments at the player, leave comments when you rate and review the podcast. You can do that live or archived. It really helps out my guests. It helps out me because it extends our web presence and makes us available uh, and puts us on the radar to those who may not know about us yet. Because Movie is really designed to be a resource for you. That is why I connect you up with people 
who are making it happen. My guest today is Amy Jo Berman, casting director. She's at Twitter at Tips on Acting, Tips on Acting. She's amyjoberman.com, her website, amyjoberman.com. Let me spell it, A-M-Y-J-O-B-E-R-M-A-N.com. And she has unstoppable, uh, let me make sure I get that correct, unstoppableactor.com is uh, uh, a program that she has, but that's the website for it, and you're going to want to go check that out. She's got tons of free stuff that you're going to want to go take a look at, so be sure you do. All right, Amy, we're back. Awesome. And you know what? Can I just start by saying what a tremendous value you provide? I, I mean, I'm just blown away even just listening to what you just had going on this week and what you have coming up, and what an amazing resource you are for everybody in the industry. And so I, I just want to say I'm personally grateful for that and I, I hope all your listeners oh. understand what a treasure trove you are. Well thank you. That's so kind of you. I appreciate that. Um mm-hmm. I, I really do. so let's focus on this because this is this this notion uh, was part of my question um earlier and is one that I think is important. How I, okay I'm an actor. I want to be remembered. I want to be cast. I want to get the two lines or the twenty lines. I want to get you know, uh, you know, I'm the elevator operator with Tom Cruise, but then I ultimately want to build my career up. What do I have to do to make you remember me in a positive way, both outside of the room? In other words, what can I do to keep? Well, and I'm asking about myself, but I'm saying about anybody. But what what does a person have to do to um, stay on the radar? And then, two, also, what should we absolutely not do, either in the room or? outside of the room that would uh, break a connection or blow a connection. Okay, so let's let's start with in the room. So, you know, what what I'm going to tell you, and maybe only 10% of the people that are listening right now will actually take what I say as absolutely real and true and enact it and find themselves booking more. The rest of you are going to block yourselves. You may block yourselves from believing that this is true, but it is. Okay, so the thing that you can do when you come in, especially for a small part, let's assume that a casting director is trying you out. They don't know you yet. They're bringing you in for a small part. They've seen, you know, they've pulled your submission from Actors Access and they want to give you a try. Okay? So what happens 99% of the time when you bring people in like that, 99% of the time they come in with that energy that we talked about earlier and they do way too much and they hang on for as long as they can stay in the room and then they look at you with those doe eyes of like, oh, how was I? Was that okay? Do you want me to do it again? Do you want me to tap dance? Do you want me to stand on my head? I'll do that. I could do it blindfolded if you want, right? They look at you with those eyes, and, you know, and then they, they, they wait, and, you know, you, and when they leave, you feel like, oh, right? Not in a good way. All right, and that's what happens 99% of the time. So how do you be that one out of 100 that doesn't do that? Okay, so here's, here's where you're not going to believe me. Okay, you you need to do as little as possible in that audition, and you need to get in and get out. And and this is it's going to go counter to what you're what you want to do. What you want to do is stay in there as long as possible because you have it in your head that the longer you stay in there, the better it is. But that's not true. Okay, because okay, so here's I'm going to flash to the other side and then I'll flash back. So on the casting director side, when we're seeing people for smaller parts. We, we generally have, you know, a, a whole lot of them to get through. We've gone through mounds and mounds of submissions. We're seeing tons and tons of people to try to find um, the few that we're going to bring back. 
We're under the gun. It's time pressure like crazy. We have people in the waiting room. We have producers calling us saying, oh, we've just added 10 new parts. We have the studio calling us going, we want a name for that two-line part and you have no money to cast it. We have all this pressure and time, right, that, that's getting on us. And so you come in. You come in and, you know, you make a lot of excuses. Oh, I'm sorry, it's late. I just got to start. How would you like me to do this? I could stand on my head, da, 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 whatever. And you do it. Would you like me to do it again? Uh, oh, uh, here's my here's my, uh, my postcard. I have a play coming up if you want to come. Here it is. You know, all of this stuff. And when all we really want is for you to come in, be polite and nice, and say your two lines and go. And that will make you stand out. That but is it's amazing. counter to what you want to do, right? <laughs> right. You know, it's true. I mean, it is amazing. It's, it's counter, but it is awesome. Yeah, and it's so true. And it's the simplicity of it that because, and this is all, I'm going to go back to our conversation before, because it's all about the mindset with which you approach the audition. If you approach it like an opportunity to have a great time and then go, you're going to be remembered in that positive way. But if you approach it and you put all this importance on it, it will be virtually impossible for you to do what I just said. But if you do what I just said, you will be memorable. And, you know, but does that mean the casting director is going to stand up and give you a standing ovation and tell you how amazing you are? No. They're going to go on about their business. They're going to circle your name on their little sheet for a callback and or they're going to remember you for something else because maybe you're not right for the part. But when we write our little notes down, do you ever see casting directors writing notes, you know, while while you're still in the room? You know, it's because we see so many volumes of people that we need to remember things. And, you know, we don't all have photographic memories. So we write these little notes. And when somebody is good, even if they're not right, you know, we'll write a little note like remember for something else. And we, we keep those. And we do. So, you know, you have to understand the less you do, the better. <laughs> and, and you know, oh, it, there's cool. an art to it. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. I want I, to I say um, something else. I, I direct, you know, occasionally I direct movies and stuff. And, and I was at a casting session one time and somebody came in and they didn't have a photo or resume. Just this is a aside. A, a but when we were in the casting session afterwards talking about it, I couldn't for the life of me remember it. And they'd go, well, remember he has a, you know, he has a Van Dyke and he was just, and I'm like, I just, he, this person was so far out of my race, I couldn't tell. I'm like, no, until I yeah. see a picture of this guy, I have no idea. So I understand the idea, you know, need to take notes and need to, you know, to, to remind yourself of that way. One of the things that you said, it, it, I mean, in this made me think of something that I guess I'd never thought about it really before. I, I've given lip service to it, but not quite in this way. You know, all actors want applause. They, we, we stand in front of, you know, a theater and hope that people like it. You know, we give it an offering and we want standing ovations. We want acknowledgement. I always talk about the process with directing and actors that, that we're fragile egos and we need validation in some form. And yet, the audition is not a. I mean, the performance in the audition rooms is a slightly different beast than performing on camera or on stage. And right. and there aren't many surgeons who are going to perform a surgery and then go. Um, so is it to your liking? Right. Or auto mechanics, you know? <laughs> you, you, are you happy with how I fixed your car? I mean, most professionals do their job and go there. You know, that's that's right. what I did. And, and yet, Yeah. You know, but but we as actors we tend to beg. You know, we tend to go, okay, am, am I am I on the mark with you? Is it what you wanted? And and to stop that, 
And if you're a professional, you're a professional, do what's expected of you. And, and in this case, as you say, do less and, and go. Yes, that's see, that's the difference. And you hit it on the, on the nail on the head when you said professionals. And, you know, even if you haven't hit professional level yet, meaning even if you haven't gotten paid for your profession yet, you, you have to act as a professional when you're deciding that you're going to be a professional actor. And I, by the way, this is equally true of actors with credits a mile long. Sometimes they don't act professionally either and they do the same thing too. But it's, you know, it's a, by the way, auditions are a completely different animal, I think, not even slightly different, completely different than performing on stage or, you know, in front of the camera. It's, it's a, it's a, a skill unto itself that is, intersects with acting and with acting and there are things about acting that are similar to auditioning but there's some things that are quite unique and you know if, if an actor's never taken an auditioning class with somebody who knows what they're doing they're missing out on a big piece of the puzzle and you know and yes the the applause is not going to happen necessarily in the room i mean look if it happens it's the odd strange moment in time where people applaud you for your audition. I've seen right, it happen right. occasionally, but that's not the norm. So if it, and, and you know what could really screw you up too is let's say it happened to you once where they received oh. you really well and they, then when it doesn't happen again, you're like, oh my God, and you think you failed, but that was just the aberration. You know, that was the exception to the rule. And the, 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 the applause has to come from yourself going, wow, that felt great. Not judging yourself, I did good, I gave a good audition, but how it felt like, oh, that was fun to perform, that was fun. Okay, now I'm just going to go do something else, and you go on about the rest of your day and stop thinking about it, which I know, by the way, a lot of actors are sitting there listening going, well, that's easy for you to say, Amy. And, you know, there, there's a skill to it, and I understand that I'm, uh, you know, it's, by the way, it, this is a very easy shift to make once you have certain awarenesses and certain pieces of information, but you you might need some guidance into that, and you know I I do have a class for that too. But but that's you know, or you could find it elsewhere. But it's it's just about a shift in mindset and changing your mind about something. You know, did you ever like go to a restaurant and you're looking at a menu and you can't decide between two things, right? You, you know, you're like should I have the beef or the chicken? And you go back and forth, you go back and forth, you can't decide, and then you decide on one. You feel really good about it, you know, and then the meal comes and you feel great. You know, you made that decision. So what what was the difference between getting the beef and getting the chicken? You just changed your mind. You just changed your mind. So was it really that hard to change your choice from beef to chicken? No. You just decided that you were going to change your mind. And you did. And the same thing goes for changing your mind about what auditioning is like. It's all about choosing. And you have, everybody has, the power to choose at will how they think at any given time. And if if, if you're struggling, like if, if you're an actor and you're listening to this right now and you think that it's a struggle to change your mind, then that is just... Um, that's a learned behavior. You've learned to struggle by watching other actors struggle. There's a big, big community of struggling actors, both in Hollywood and outside, right? And there's a certain, sometimes actors will wear it as a badge of honor. Like, oh, they think that that's part of the experience of being an actor, struggling. But that's only a part of the experience if you choose to have it be a part of your experience. It doesn't have to be. That is just something that you picked up from other actors and it's really easy to do do you you ever just walk into a room and everybody's in a bad mood and it's kind of hard to be happy and sunny when everybody's in a bad mood because it's sort of contagious and so if you are in uh, a business like this and part of 
the very common experience of most actors is the struggle, then you might inadvertently slip into that mindset and not even realize it. And so you are basically struggling by default instead of choosing something else. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's like nature avoids a vacuum, and if you don't you know, have the uh, powerful thoughts that you want, you'll have anything else, and that anything else right. could be quite less than glorious. You know, it, it, yeah. it's, it's an amazing thing, and this is one of the reasons why, you know, uh, I believe actors need to have a life and they need to have relationships and they need to have things that they value besides acting. Uh, you know, yes, be consumed by your desire to be famous or whatever, but not at the exclusion of everything else because then it is truly an all-or-nothing thing. But if you walk right. out of an audition and you have other things that fulfill you, then it's not the only thing that happened in your day. And right. to sit and wait for a phone to ring, you know, is gets, you know, it will drive you crazy. You know, you know why that happens? So I really believe that um, sometimes when an actor really identifies with the artist mentality, right, with the with being an artist, that uh-huh. sometimes they're under the illusion that anything outside, any energy that they spend outside yep. of acting dilutes yep. their creativity as an artist. And that's just a big fat lie because creativity is infinite. So the more, the more you fill yourself up and your soul and your, your mind and your, your, your vessel up with other amazing things that give you joy, the more you have to offer. It's not going to dilute your creativity as an actor, you know, by, by starving, you know, basically what it's like, it's like sort of starving yourself. You're giving yourself one food. You know, let's say you just eat apples for the rest of your life. You're starving yourself of all the other nutrients and things that could not only fill you up and make you healthy, but give you joy. So as an actor, if you only feed yourself things that have to do with acting and you to the exclusion of anything else and you judge everything else as a distraction and a dilution of your craft, then you're literally starving your artist. And uh, then, that is you know, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, so it's, you know, I'll, every time I, um, I'm sorry, I keep talking, I get on a roll and then I, I I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm, only, <laughs> I'm only endeavoring to support that point. I think it's, a, it's I think it's absolutely vital that that people pay attention to that. I I I will say so because that was me at one time in my life back in my teens and early 20s. You know, I thought you had to suffer. I thought you had to be devoted. I even have a friend of mine who's an acting coach who goes, you know, it's all about acting. You know, you can never not act and I, and, and now at a, at a at a different age, I'm like, no, you know, there are other things and and one of the really important things that you you said, well, here's what I always ask people. I go, what is it that stops most people? And what stops most people is a simple little invisible packet of energy called the thought. They mm-hmm. they they stop more things or don't go for more things because they think I can't, I shouldn't, I don't deserve it, I won't, it's not going to happen. Whatever it is, they just stop. And what you demonstrated so well earlier ago, uh, a moment ago, was you know you can just change your mind. You know, and for most people who say, well, I can't do that, you can say, well, you know, they 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 won't. Most people won't voice, I can't order food. Some may, I mean, you know, extreme cases, but they won't right. say, I won't order food, you know, and, and or, you know, I have to have beef or I, you know, I won't have chicken. You demonstrated that in a second you can, you can choose to be otherwise. You can, you can, you can think otherwise. You don't have to let a stop 
I'm going to thought stop you. And and yeah. and if and if you are totally consumed by acting, I mean, I hated weekends because suddenly I couldn't go on auditions. I hated going on, you know, holiday and hiatus. I thought that was the there was nothing I could do. I felt so completely powerless. It was always outside of me because I couldn't control hiatus or control right. you know, vacations or control weekends. Those things came in. So, uh, you know, um, what you say is so incredibly um, crucial. It's a critical thing for people to, to understand and embrace and, and have a life. And, and when you do just what you're saying, Amy, when people will do that, they are more artistic. They will be more creative They will, because they will open their neurology up to greater possibility yeah. instead of shutting down. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. When when I was at HBO, um, one of the great joys of my day was I uh, was having general meetings with actors. Uh, we just used to love that. My partner in business there and I, we would have generals, and um, you know where actors would just come in and we would just sit and chit chat. And um, it was always so fascinating that the actors that we were most drawn to after those conversations were always the ones that had all kinds of things going on. Because we, you know, we would always approach those like we would rarely ever talk about their resume. We always like would like to get to know them as a human being. So uh, we'd be asking them about what they do. And, and I remember one time we had a guy in, this is right after Mad Men's first season, we had one of the actors in from Mad Men and, you know, one of the, you know, the ensemble guys. And uh, uh-huh. and we were talking to him, and and we found out like he has an antiquing business in New Orleans, and he's passionate about it. And like it's he had so much other stuff going on. And we're like, wow, like I'll never forget him. It was fascinating <laughs> because he and and there's a million stories like that. I mean, there's a million. He wasn't the only one. But you know, we talk to actors who you know they paint, they play the violin, they have a band, they make pottery, they you know they have an internet business, they. You know, whatever it is that they do that fills them up, they garden, whatever they're passionate about, and those were always the most interesting actors. And and it was so great to be around them because they weren't – because when you starve yourself with with only acting, you, you cannot help but be desperate. And, like, even, even – I know a lot of actors even who don't like to hang out with other actors because all they do is talk about acting. Right. You know, I know other actors right, who right. feel that way. You know, so nobody likes to be, you know, like, hi, how are you doing? Oh, well, I just did a guest star. I just said, no, like, how are you? you right. Know, like, you know, it's it's all about connecting as a human being. And so going back to standing out and making an impression on people and having them remember you, they'll remember you because if 99% of the other actors are starving themselves and thinking, eating, drinking, and breathing, acting only, and you're that breath of fresh air, who has the confidence to walk in and just be a human, you're going to stand out without doing anything. How's it getting oh, easier really, than that? Yeah. No, that, that's really, really, truly cool. Um, so when we, I, I don't want to, to miss any of these things. We're talking about what you can do in the room, what you can do outside of the room. We also started the conversation with the three things that you could focus on. We picked one, <laughs> and uh, but we're going through this. And so, so you you are really weaving this incredible tapestry for for actors, and and for anyone listening. I, I oh, it, which reminds me that Ilya Kazan. At one point, when he was writing about directing, so people said, "What should I learn about directing?" Everything he said you should learn had absolutely nothing to do with directing. 
It was like learn horseback riding, learn politics, learn religion, learn loving, learn cooking. Learn. I mean, it was in other words, it was if you want to learn directing, you need to know about life, and you need to know about people, and you need to, you need to see how those things are. You know, otherwise, you know, I could tell you about camera and everything, but that's not what directing is about. So, in the same way, an actor is going to be much more interesting and have much more to choose from if they're not only an actor. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And, you know, and, and then, you know, but okay, so that's, that's all true. But, you know, so there's different components to being successful as an actor. The the biggest one, in my opinion, is this shift to this mindset, this choice, and this, you know, learning to be a normal human being. I use the word normal in quotes, right? <laughs> but then the, <laughs> normal is just a dial on your washing machine. Anyway, so, um, yeah, but, you know, there is, and then there's knowledge. You have to understand the the business, what goes on inside the head of an agent or a casting director, how they look at things in order to be able to, um, in order to be able to solve a problem for them, and that's marketing and networking, right? And that's really important. And then there's and there's entire classes on that as well that I do and other people do. But then there's technique. You know, this is all good, but you need all three of these things. You need to understand how to market and connect with people. You need to understand, you know, how to change your mindset at will, and you need technique. You need to understand how to nail an audition. In the audition, it's not the same as acting. Like I said, there is some intersection, but it's not the same thing. There are certain things that go on in the audition room that if you if you have the other two components, too, in your back pocket, if you understand how the business works and how people think, and you learn the techniques of auditioning with those things in mind, you can really nail auditions. And this is, you know, a lot of times actors will will take acting class and they think, you know, that that's enough and that's not the same thing. Or they'll take an auditioning class with somebody who has never been on the other side of the, the table, you know. And so they may be a great acting teacher, but how are they going to teach you about auditioning if, they're ha- if they haven't spent years in the room being on the receiving end of audition? You know, and so I think there's value to to getting that information from the source itself. And, and, you know, and I think all three of those components together, you can't, if you leave one of them out, you're going to have a major hole in your acting career. And the major hole is going to show up as you're not getting enough auditions or you're getting auditions and you're not getting callbacks or you're getting callbacks and you're not getting booked. Or you're sitting around feeling frustrated and angry or you're kicking yourself when you walk out of an audition uh, or, or, or. That's how it's going to show up if you have one of those missing pieces. And so it's really important to to to, to focus on all three. Very cool. Very cool. So so what what uh, what else? I mean, we have let me see just we've got about oh, 15 minutes on the outside and um and I want to give you some time too to talk about your classes and and stuff. But what 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 do, what do people need to know about being in the room? I mean, let's let's switch kind of abruptly, okay. and and, Ooh, and spend time there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, how do they how do they make it or blow it when, once they're in the room? Besides the attitude that they walk in with and leave right. with, what are some of the technique tips or? Um, you know, sometimes there's so many. Gosh, it's it's even hard to to know where to start. But um, okay, so. When you're auditioning, and by the way, I have tons of free videos about all this kind of stuff on YouTube too. Um, but uh, 
And my, where? Where? Tell them. Tell them where. Oh, I'm sorry. My YouTube channel is called Tips on Acting, just like my Facebook is Tips on Acting and my Twitter is Tips on Acting. Are you sensing a theme here? Tips on Acting. Um, I like to give out tips because I like, you know, people to do well. You know, because I I really want actors to understand that casting directors actually do want you to succeed. They may be grumpy when you walk in the room, by the way, but that's not about you. That's just because they're getting a lot of pressure. You know. From other places. Uh, you know, I do. Um, I just want to, I want to add something, and hopefully, very briefly. I because of of my show, I was in a casting office, not because of being an actor or anything like that. But I was, mm-hmm. I was in a casting office, and so I was privy to phone calls and office stuff that I wouldn't, as an actor, be normally in on, in involved on, kind of thing. And wow, <laughs> the amount of the amount of phoning going back and forth and yelling from office yeah. to office and who's coming in and what's going on. I mean, it was yeah. um, impressive, I mean, to say the it's least. And so, yeah. huh? It's a circus. So it, it's a three-ring circus. It, it, it was. But, I, you know, I had as a young actor, I had never had that experience. So I didn't know. I yeah. mean, I just knew people sat in a room and, and watched people come in. You know, but the behind-the-scenes things, you know, both during and before and during and after your day, I mean, it, it's it's pretty impressive. It's darn near, darn very impressive. Yeah, it, it's definitely um, it's definitely a thing. It's an animal unto itself. But okay, so let's see. Let me give some practical tips here um, for uh, being in the editor. Okay, so here's one place, one small thing that an actor can do that can really really help their audition. So. Oftentimes, uh, and I'll show you the mistake, and then I'll show you how to combat it. So sometimes when you come into an audition and you're you're reading your side, sometimes you have the last line in the scene, and sometimes you don't. Okay, sometimes the other character uh-huh. has the last line. And the big mistake that I see, and this happens more than you would ever realize, is that when you, as an actor, have finished your last line, and you know then the reader has their last line. Oftentimes, the actor will check out after their last line, as if the scene is over because they finished speaking. And the scene isn't really over. You know, the other person has their line and then, you know, and and so there's two things that are going on. Number one, three things. Number one, you're checking out and normally if you check out, you're doing that thing where you look up at the casting director like, is that okay? And we talked about that already. The other thing is you're checking out of the scene before it's over and that means you're not listening to the other character say what their last line was. So if you're not listening to the other person, then that means you are kind of acting by yourself there. And, you know, if you've ever been in an acting class opposite an actor who's acting by themselves, you know what I'm talking about, okay? (laughs) That's not the kind of acting that anybody likes to be a part of or to watch. So if you've checked out, that means you weren't really listening because if you're really listening, you'd want to respond to what they're saying. And then the third part is there is, and this is the, the button that you can use to to finish the scene. You know, that little moment after the casting director or the reader says their line and the way you respond to it non-verbally is the button to the scene. And that is a precious moment that if you checked out at your line, you are completely leaving on the table. You're you're not it's a wasted opportunity. And the way you button the scene after that reader has their last line is your unique moment to to put a punctuation mark on the scene and nobody else has that moment but you because everybody else, you know, like when you're going through a scene, 
there's and there's lines that you're saying. You're sort of confined in a weird way by the lines. You, you can choose to say them a number of different ways and have infinite numbers of reactions, but the line is the line and you have to say the line. But when you button the scene non-verbally, I'm not saying you need to add lines, when you button the scene with your reaction to what the last line was, that's unique, right? Your reaction to that, whatever that is, there's no line attached to it. So that's your moment to... To you know, to finish the scene, and I know it seems like a small, tiny thing, but it's big in the room. And this is one of those moments where auditioning is different than acting. That is a huge moment and a huge opportunity. And when I say huge, that doesn't mean your reaction should be huge. Okay, it could be as subtle uh-huh. as an eye blink. You know, everything shows up on the camera, but it is a moment with which, when you use it to your advantage, leaves us could leave us breathless and if you that's, choose to ignore it you, you miss that moment that's very very cool that's that's awesome um is it is it fair to ask this question then and by the way kurt uh emailed us thank you very much amy so oh, uh, for my pleasure, answering kurt. His question. um is it is it I mean, actors get their sides, you know, or they get their script and they go through and they count their lines and go, I got 10 lines or I got one line or I got what, you know, and would it be fair, is it fair to to ask, uh, is it more important to talk your lines, to speak your lines well in an audition or to listen when the reader's talking? What gives a Okay, so I'm going to answer that question with this question. Is it more important to inhale or exhale? Yes, <laughs> right. You That's pick whichever answer. one is more important to you, and then it's the same. Yeah. You can't, you can't say your line. That's like, <laughs> you know, the, the, the best, uh, okay. That's the mentality that is blocking you from moving forward. If you can ask that question, then you, then there's too much importance placed on. You're acting and your lines, because and also let's go back to acting 101. You know, acting is reacting, right? You can't act by just saying your lines. Because think about it in real life. Like you and I are having this conversation right now, and it's a two-way street. Even though 90% of the time I'm doing the talking, but clearly you're listening. I can hear the mm-hmmm's, and I can hear when you respond with your questions that you're responding to stuff that I said, which means that you were listening. So in mm-hmm. real life, even when somebody's having a monologue. The other person is listening and responding. So if if acting is, you know, when we're having a conversation with sides and you have two people reading their lines, you know, there's always listening and responding going on. It, it mimics real life. So you can't have counting your lines is like inhaling without exhaling. You, you can't do it, then you're not really acting. Then all you're doing is reciting. And, um, you know, here's another, here's something that, you know, I always teach my, when I, when I work, with my private coaching clients, right? When, when an actor comes to me with a, a scene and they need coaching and there's um, there's a monologue inside, and I'm not talking about a, a theatrical monologue where you're standing on uh-huh. stage and orating. I'm talking about within a dialogue of a film or television scene. Sometimes you have a little paragraph or sometimes you have a big paragraph with which you have the only lines. The, the big mistake is to treat that monologue as a monologue. It's always a dialogue always a dialogue because if you look at that paragraph whatever it is that you're saying you know in in performance you know it's something else i'm going to just talk about in the audition room 
In uh-huh. order to make that monologue portion of your dialogue sing, you have to have it be a dialogue with the other person, even though they're not speaking, just like you're not speaking right now, but we're having a dialogue. So if you were to break down that paragraph, you would look at those lines and think to yourself, imagine what the other person's response might be. And then your line, your next line might be different because maybe your next line is responding to the look on their face or to their, oh, really? Facial expression or, you know, you have to break up that monologue using the other person's expressions, even if you have to imagine them, okay, and create a dialogue. And when you create it as a dialogue, it's dynamic and interesting, and you will be the 1% that does it that way instead of orating like a monologue, inhaling without exhaling. Very, very cool. So we have, um, you know, about four minutes. So let's talk a little bit. I mean, this is this is awesome. And and, and, and let me tell the the, the listeners um, that you're going to come back because you know we've talked about this and we knew we would run out of time before we could we could talk <laughs> about all the things that we wanted to talk about. The time yeah. goes fast. So you'll come back and we'll let the listeners know when that's going to be. We'll we'll schedule that and let them know when that is. Absolutely. But but you have something coming up now. Uh, in fact, in just a little while. So let's that that they may be able to get in on or other things. Yeah. So can you can you tell our listeners about those? Yeah, actually, and uh, this you know I, I talked before about unstoppableactor.com, and you know on, when people go to unstoppableactor.com and they go and watch the replay of the Unstoppable Actor webinar. On that webinar, I talk a lot about my upcoming class called Be an Audition Rockstar. And then Be an Audition Rockstar is a four-week online auditioning class where I'm going to be dealing with a lot. I mean, I scratched the surface of some of this stuff today, but, you know, week one of that class is how to get more auditions. Week two is how to prepare better for your auditions. Week three is what happens inside the audition room, and, and it's going to be a lot more of this, the kind of stuff we just talked about. You know, and then week four is about how to follow up properly and how to stand out. And, and you know, we're going to, I mean, really dissect those things, and I'm really going to get into the ins and outs of what goes on inside a casting director's head in all those situations so that you can master how to approach a, the casting director in auditions, how to find more opportunities by learning the art of connecting. All, all these kinds of things are in the Be an Audition Rockstar class. And, you know, that class, I'm really, really excited about that class. A lot of people are on it. And the great thing about an online platform is I can help a lot more actors. You don't have to be in L.A. You just have to have computer access. And it's going to be a dynamic, interactive, um, webinar kind of class. And um, And all the information for that class, is right there on the Unstoppable Actor page. So if you go to unstoppableactor.com, you get to watch the free webinar anyway. And, you know, whether or not you choose to join the class, you still walk away with tons of value just from the free webinar. But most of the time when people watch the free webinar, if they know that they they know they need more information and they know they're not getting enough bookings or not getting enough auditions, most of the time they'll jump into the class and I say, you know, bravo <laughs> to any actor who, whether you take my class or anybody's class that's going to give you some value and fill in the blanks, you know, investing in your education as an actor, as we talked about before, is key. So uh, they can find out all that stuff at unstoppableactor.com. Wow, that's that's very cool. And and when does this take place? I mean, is there, this is there takes place. No, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the live class is starting on Tuesday, the 11th. 
And uh, I'm closing down registration on Monday the 10th, but um, the class will then also be an online um, recorded class that people can access after that. But to, to get in on the live version of the class, uh, they have to register before the 10th. And, um, you know, the other thing is, is for everybody who's listening live right now, the, the price for the class is going up significantly on uh, Sunday night at midnight. And so if you're even thinking about wanting to go and check out the Unstoppable Actor webinar and thinking about just getting in the class, I would absolutely just get in before Sunday at midnight because you'll save quite a bit of money doing it. Oh, that's fantastic. And it's unstoppableactor.com. And I've seen the webinar, and it is fantastic. And people, you're going to want to go check out the webinar and and take the and take the live class. But but the uh, the other one that is uh, the uh, the online class. Is that's that not have a that, yeah. Pardon me. Oh uh, well, the yeah the online version of the class will be launched um, at a later date coming up, and oh, I'll okay. announce that. And and when people, just so you know, like when when you go to unstoppableactor.com. You'll have to enter in your name and email information in order to get access to the free webinar, and that's just for me. I'm not going to like sell that list, you know, of your name and stuff like that. That's just so that I can contact you and let you know when I have the class up as a recorded uh, class or when I have another upcoming event and stuff like that. So they may, you know, if you put your name and information there, you're going to be on my email list, and you can get off it at any time. But you know, I send out lots of cool stuff, so um, I will let everybody know when the recorded class is available um, after that. And it's tips on acting. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Tips on acting at Twitter or at tips on acting. It's tips on acting on Facebook. It is tips on acting at YouTube, and it's AmyJoBerman.com and or unstoppableactor.com. Amy, this has been an amazing time spent with you. I appreciate it very much. We will do it again um, sometime soon. Yay. As I said, we'll do, we'll do it with the let the listeners know when that's going to be coming up. I will see you in Los Angeles, definitely. And then, and then I forgot to tell you, I'm going to call you back in just a couple minutes once I close the show out, and okay. and then we'll go from there. So um, awesome. thank you so much for being here and for adding value to the listeners and to the actors who uh, are are uh, have been listening and those who will listen in the future. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This has been a joy. You are a treasure, and I can't wait to see you in L.A. All right, thanks. <laughs> cool. Okay, All right, you have a great one. I'll talk to you in a moment. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. That is Amy Jo Berman, again, .com. Amy Jo Berman, do check out uh, what she has to offer. And, again, check out all of the interviews and discussions that I have with professionals. Some are top professionals and some are otherwise, but they're professionals in this industry that you love and care for and enjoy. There's over 400 hours. Please do share them. And please do leave comments, and please help me. I always appreciate and love the people who tweet about my show prior to the show and send it out so that you can listen live or join us in the chat room. But people chat or tweet about it afterwards or post it on Facebook or Google Plus or their favorite means. I really do value and appreciate that, and so do my guests. Thank you so much. I'm going to be in Los Angeles as of the 18th of of uh, June. I'm on business. If you're there, contact me through Facebook, or if you got my phone number, call me or email me or something. If we have a chance, we can meet up. That would be fantastic. Um, I want to thank all of you who tune in and listen and support the show in every way. Uh, I love you, and uh, your love to me means everything. Thank you so much. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at RexSykesMovieBT, RexSykesMovieBT. The last word is abbreviated, so please do and share that. Beat 
Friends is on Facebook, Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends is a Facebook page that you can like, and that will help you stay tuned and up to date on who my guests are and when they are because I post information there. If you can't become a friend because my profile has too many friends or stuff like that, you can always find out from uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends on Facebook and do share that. Rex Sykes Movie Beat is also on YouTube, and so check into that. Uh, my own website is under construction, so when the new one is launched, uh, we'll let you know. So in the meantime, use Facebook or Twitter to find out about upcoming guests. And um, and most importantly, take the advice and the suggestions and the tips and the secrets uh, of what to do and what not to do from all of my guests and, and apply it in your life. And do that. Make a difference in your own career and in your own work. All right? I've got lots of fantastic guests coming up next week. So please do stay tuned. Please do share them. Please do uh, uh, listen in. And thank you so much. Everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects. And until we meet the next time, that is a wrap.